This is an IFTA screen discussion. Welcome to the IFTA screen discussion series, putting focus on each of the featured films submitted for this year's IFTA awards. Every week, we're putting the spotlight on a variety of diverse feature films representing the best of Irish filmmaking. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by filmmakers and cast of Mandrake. So hello and welcome, guys. Uh, we're joined today by producer Marie Trace mackle director Lynn Davison, and actors Deirdre Mullins and Dervla Crotty. So welcome. How are you all doing, guys? Very well, thank you. Thank you. Um, Mary, I suppose I'll start with you, um, if you wouldn't mind. I know obviously the film uh, comes as part of the Northern Ireland screen, uh, new talent focus, um, which has been hugely successful. I was just wondering if you could give me a little bit of background about how um, you came on board. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I'd been in you know, a relationship with NI Screen for a long time and actually I came a bit later on board. It was Lynn and Paul and Matt who, you know, Matt had written the script and Lynn had came across the script and then Paul optioned the script. So I had been doing lots of short films with Paul through his company and I suppose it probably just seemed like the natural step that we then went and did this together. And I mean, I've been talking to Northern Ireland's Green for quite a few years about moving into features. It's my, my first feature production. Um, and uh, this just felt like the right one because it was my sub the kind of subject matter that I love and um, the things that I love and all the witchiness and stuff. So it felt like the right one. And, and Lynn and I had talked about doing shorts together for years. Lynn had been a shadow director on a BBC Two series that I'd done a few years back. So we all just kind of, you know, joined up in the middle and then we started. Excellent. And uh, I suppose, Lynn, for you, um... The film has some fantastically strong leading female characters. I was wondering, both both bad and good, I suppose it's important to add. Um, was there was that something that really attracted you to the project whenever you first saw the script? Yes, absolutely. As soon as I read the script and read the these beautiful, complicated women, I knew that I had to be a part of it and I had to make it. So that was when I, I phoned Paul Kennedy and then a week later, Paul had optioned it. But uh, female focused stories are just of the utmost importance to me. It's uh, what I really thrive on. And uh, I think it creates really dynamic stories, especially to explore themes like motherhood in our film and deconstruct it and present it in different ways. And the story is written by Matt uh, Harvey. I was wondering what sort of conversations you guys had with him about the sort of inspiration and origins of the film. Well, when I first met Matt, he said that a lot of it came from uh, when him and his wife had their first child and he kind of, his he was inspired and uh, he would write kind of darker things anyway, but he seemed to just go on a tangent with it. And uh, Matt is English and he moved to Ireland for his wife. So he was introduced to, you know, our wonderful culture and all the folk that we have that we've been raised on so I think he found that all very inspiring and then uh, when we were chatting and we kind of quickly realized we wanted to make the same film and we had a lot of the same you know inspirations for our work um it just kind of it was just kismic um I feel like when like watching the film um I feel like a, a lot like most communities grow up or at least know of a, a creepy story or something that happened in the past and that I'd never really thought about it until watching the film about how universal a theme I imagine that actually is where you know I'm sure the stories are very very different in different cultures but it sort of taps into something very universal there 
Yeah, I mean, it's certainly it's about fear, isn't it? And uh, what humans do to explain that fear and explain the darkness and uh, obviously the cultural impacts of those stories and how we get loads of different versions. I love that, you know, when you look into, I'm very interested in Greek mythology and, um, you know, Greek plays and so many of the themes that are repeated through time, through generations and, uh, you know, getting to explore that and use our homegrown um, you know, getting to use the Irish language in this film was a real joy and a passion. Um, unfortunately, I'm terrible with the Irish language, but my my niece is a Gilgord, but and she wrote it all out for me phonetically so we could chant for the soundtrack. Yeah. But um, you know, it felt like I always wanted to keep this film very grounded. I wanted our magic to be soil and blood and about someone that could see deeper into nature than than the normal person could and could utilize nature and use it. And uh, so all of that kind of went hand in hand with Ireland. Yeah. And, and I guess um, there's there's a part early on in the film before whenever the two children are sort of running through the marshes. Um, and I think that sort of encapsulates how, uh, given a space of time, a very real story can turn into sort of fol folklore and can grow legs and different part, bits and pieces can be sort of thrown added on to it and taken away and it's kind of I don't know it's almost as if they don't even realize that it is something very very disturbing did in fact happen um, mm. but these stories can just generate that sort of fear to almost like you know stop you from crossing into the field that you shouldn't be going into yeah yeah and also the, the fear that develops into the the locals um practically chasing mary down as if she's frankenstein's monster you know may as well have them with torches and pitchforks um we had a great laugh about that at the time didn't we mt <laughs> Yeah, I, th I think like for us, I mean, I think we just all gelled over that kind of folklore, Nathan, you know, you're talking about, you know, it's a very, I mean, it's in lots of European places, but it's a very Irish thing to have, you know, the poor old woman in the village, she's maybe the witch and she's probably tortured, but, you know, and just that kind of, it's kind of just in us. So, and it's, and I mean, it's got, had such a resurgence here over the last few years, you know, every, you know, we everyone wants to make a story about that now, you know, and it's just, hopefully we don't run out of folktales but um it's it's just something that completely cap you know you know sort of captured my imagination when I read the script and stuff and and Matt was brilliant during the whole development process like we talked as I say I came on kind of later on and the script was in a great position at that point but to actually sort of you know really bed down and think about oh would what kind of tree would they have used for that or what kind of flower you know is this real to the folklore you know because there could be experts watching you know and you know I'm just not saying we got it right 100% of the time but you know you can't you know you're low budget filmmaking so you're really trying and let you be even more imaginative and um you know Timmy who made our um green man as we call him um you know outfit and stuff was like making that from like you know some you know synthetic materials but also from bark and you know just it's just it felt like a, a sort of just being in that in the woods the whole time where we're actually making it in a way you know which was exciting yeah, and yeah. that offered so much texture as well. You know, it's always really important to me to bring texture to the screen. And, uh, you know, I wanted you to feel like you could smell the mud and the moss. And, you know, it's certainly um, when Deidre is in the mud, I really hope that everybody can, uh, can you know, feel her pain. <laughs> Still apologizing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm so sorry. Every time I see her, I just want to say I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. It's what we live for. <laughs> 
Um, I yeah, I certainly have questions about that coming down the line. Um, and I can say that uh, I certainly did. I was shivering when uh when when watching some of those scenes. But um, before before we go there, I, I guess like the it's it goes without saying that um alongside Deirdre and Dervla, just the, there's a really really strong cast all around in this project. And I just wanted to know about the casting process itself and what you were looking for. Um, yeah, when you were when you were recruiting. Well, it was, um, we were doing everything during COVID time. So it was a little bit new and different. Everything was done over Zoom. And, you know, it was when the rise of sending, you know, a tape in. Um, so we didn't have the opportunity to kind of meet each other. So that kind of, it, it made the process, so we had to adapt really to that process. Um, and we find it, we, it was quite a struggle to find our Kathy and our Mary. Um, you know, we were, very close to the line when we did find our, our brilliant actresses but when we did it it just struck everyone um because before it was very much okay that person would maybe be good or they could bring this to it but when we met Deidre and Dervla it was we were talking to the characters we were seeing them on screen and you felt a presence with them and they you know just encompassed everything that I wanted and everything that everybody else wanted so it was a unanimous decision everyone was like yes let's do yes let's go on that um you know and outside of that there are certain uh cast members like Shane Sahara who I had wanted to work with for the longest time and uh you know he's did such an amazing performance even though you know he's in uh in a he's in a masked suit the entire time but you know I would certainly say he's one of the 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 most talented he's one to watch he's one of the most talented actors that I've seen uh, in a while um, and then of course uh, our hunt for Luke our our child actor actor when we met Jude um, Jude just kind of he he captured so much energy and really responded to everything that I said to him and he has a great interest in Greek mythology as well so we bonded over that and um, he was just a joy to work with I certainly remember I think we were standing it was the one of the last scenes of the film and uh, Jude was watching Kathy you know lift the hurley bat and go to the front door and uh, he had to be very scared and you know we were all kind of watching him on the monitor hoping he was okay and you know and obviously you know you want him to be he's gone through a lot in this film and you just want him to be in good spirits um, and as soon as I called cut he was just a beaming smile and he was the happiest you know the happiest child you'd ever seen so um you know, there was everyone was just a joy to work with and people that had been recommended by other filmmakers that I know, um, as in uh, Chris, who directed Bad Day for the Cut um, and recommended Nigel. And then, of course, um, Paul, our producer, is one of our cast members as well. Um, it was funny when we were searching for Paul, myself and uh, Ursula Devine at Northern Ireland Screen, when we were searching for Jason, we said, do you know Paul would actually be really good for that role? And then Paul was like, well, I didn't want to say anything, but uh, <laughs> I'd love to go up for the role. Um, so that was that was cool. It was interesting and fun. And, um, you know, he was just wonderful. That you know, brilliantly divided his time and gave us everything that he could, especially on the day where, um, well, spoiler alert, where we sliced his throat. <laughs> <clears> throat> Yeah, I'd say uh, it sounds like Paul played that to a T where he was probably leaving little breadcrumbs and then whenever you naturally came along suggesting him, he was like, God, that's a great idea. I know, it just turn up, you know, in a, a costume that I kind of mentioned, act <laughs> <Back> really pleasy. <laughs> um, and and Deirdre and Dervla, um, I'd love to know, uh, you guys must have been very excited whenever the script came to you. What was it about the 
about the characters that appeal to you most, I guess. Go on, Derbla, go on. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, Mary Laidlaw. I mean, I don't think another one's going to come along like her. Yeah, it's just so intriguing, this woman with so much history. Um, and, and then, you know, the twist of all twists, because I'm reading it as a complete innocent, you know, the first time. <laughs> and then I nearly dropped the script and realized, oh, okay, okay, that's going on. Um, so that, you know, so that's wonderful to encompass so many things. I, I just, I love what Lynn has said about the connection with nature and the sense of being sort of occupying more dimensions than just this, than the human dimension. Um, and of course, in any classic way, she's got so much at stake. You know, she, her son, she wants her son to live and she, she, she can't lose him. She's willing to, to do anything. She plays a very long game to achieve that. Um, and, uh, and, and those dilemmas are real for all that were in a kind of wonderful genre. You know, you were never in doubt about why you were doing anything, you know, um, putting Deirdre out to find the mandrake and, you know, the whole desperation of it. Uh, so, so that was very clear from the script. And then, you know, on set, it, yeah, it was, it was really the most harmonious process that I've ever experienced, a film process. And, and I think possibly the fact that we did it in COVID times, in fact, probably, mm. um, made it all the more, I mean, we were so bonded. <laughs> We'd do a test every few days and there were those crazy tests where you had to put like a box within a box and then you had to tape it and you had to send it by courier and it was all sorts of madness. And then, wow, you're actually on set. So like getting to set was an achievement in itself. Yeah. And staying on set was an achievement. Yeah. So kind of, it's funny, even just two years later, has some of that you forget. But um, yeah, and then we're back in this hardly occupied hotel at all, the Grand Central, this huge hotel. <laughs> and uh, Deirdre and I, you know, meeting the corridors and knowing that you're up the road, you know, just, <laughs> just a few steps away. And we, we lock ourselves in and then we come out to play again. So it was really... No, I mean, I'm never going to have that experience again, most more than likely. But um, yeah, but to go back to Mary, really dream role, I say. You know, the thing I always love and I, I talk about in many of the interviews is just the nuances that you were able to bring to Mary, you know, because we, we never wanted her to be, you know, a you know, cut and dry villain. She has her own moral code. And absolutely she's functioning within nature and this is what she needs to do um you know i always like to equate the opposite of that to a villain twisting their mustache as they're they're killing kids but um you know i just wanted i wanted the audience to understand her and i i hope that's and i think we were successful in that and uh for you deirdre i mean i think you know you guys have covered so much about the the kind of um um the the real even though it's a genre piece the realness the, the the depth and texture of the characters the the quality of the the um what Matt's created um so you know and and that I didn't I, as well you know you don't know how it's going to end it's a very surprising and um magical sort of unraveling of, of uh, narratively so yeah it was kind of a no-brainer for me um, and and the character she was absolutely fascinating like 
a sort of you know and it's particularly as a kind of like um, an opposite uh, side of a coin to Dervla's character you know they they in many ways I saw um Kathy is the the prototype to becoming you know Mary that she was that there is not really that much difference between the two in many ways it's um perhaps as much about circumstances as anything else and um the the complexity the 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 evil and good within all of the characters in, in the show is is just brilliantly um drawn so yeah it was it was such a such a joy such a pleasure and such a pleasure to work with Dervla as well I'd watched her on stage you know growing up you know my teens were spent watching Dublin theatre and she was in you know everything and um so you know I was really excited to 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 work with her you know um and it was yeah oh I loved it I loved making the whole thing but yes it was uncomfortable <laughs> the mud was a little uncomfortable <laughs> yeah Although uh, yeah. we we did have we restricted that quite a lot. We didn't you didn't have to do it too many times, if I yeah, recall yeah. correctly. But, well, <laughs> it was fine for us. Yeah, it was fine for us. Like we shot it in fifteen days as well. So it kind of actually looking back now because it's been a while. It feel like it was so quick. You know, like I think you know we it's it's a it's a huge task to have to do. Um, and so you're really you know cutting your mustard with what you can shoot and whatever. And like without. Deirdre and Daryl would be in such good sports. Might not got it in the 15 days. Do you know what I mean? It was kind of like such an effort of, and I mean, that's kind of the joy as well. I think in a low budget filmmaking at times, it's just that camaraderie you have with the cast and crew. You know, you're not in it for the big bucks, you're in it for the art. And that there's a different level of family or something at that point, then, you know, which is the great thing about that um, scheme that Northern Ireland's Green do time and time again every year with lots of success. Um, but without these two, um, you know, it wouldn't have been just as dreamy. <laughs> Certainly not. I think everyone, you know, from, from our leads down to our runners, everyone gave it their all every single day. Everybody was on Team Mandrake and uh, we were in it to win it really and um as a first time features director i felt very comfortable and supported by you know the entire team it was just it was wonderful you know like darvel said it was an experience i'll never have again and uh you know that's maybe kind of sad in a way but uh hopefully replicate it a bit <laughs> But you were nothing like, like, you did not feel like a first time director, I have to say, do you know what I mean? There was nothing, you felt so calm, so experienced, you know, you had answers to everything, you thought about everything. You were, it was, it was, it was a really incredibly intense, um, but very smoothly run um, whole experience, you know. Um, oh, thank you. I, uh, I really appreciate that. And I think a lot of that comes from raising a teenager. I think that, that just gives you a patience and a calmness that, uh, you know, prepares you like no, nothing else for a film set <laughs> yeah um i feel like there must be something going on with the new talent scheme because there seems to be a bit of an obsession with mud and and, <laughs> and bog and everything I, like having spoken to brian falconer and mo dumford before he did the dig i think you you've been spared slightly at least didn't have you digging holes in a in a bog <laughs> for the entirety of the well, shoot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the very first the very my very first shoot was dragging you through the mud and uh with just a little lamp a little tilly lamp lighting everything <laughs> I remember digging in the wrong patch because I was you know we were shooting and I was dragging through the mud and then I started digging and digging and I heard like cut 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 and I was in the wrong place so we had to go again and oh my god 
There was still some great um, crawling in that uh, TX, so don't worry. Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> and and can, you, can you guys tell me, like, uh, you've touched on a couple of things there. There seems to be um, a recurring theme throughout these discussions about how for the projects that filmed during COVID, there seems to be now with a bit of time to reflect on it, that unity of coming through, something like that seems to, there seems to be a really, really strong unity between the cast and crew. Uh, and a sense of achievement of what had to be done under such, uh, as you said, it was an achievement just to get on to set and to remain on set. So um, I, I feel like you must you must uh, sort of hold a bit of a bond together that's very different to anything else that might have been done before. Well, intra- I remember a day with you, Darfla. Um I don't know if I should talk, talk about this really, but it was, you know, get, getting onto set and, you know, in COVID when, you know, big productions have lots of ways and logistics to work that out and we really didn't. So you have to be slightly inventive about how you build that strategy. Um, but I remember you had an inconclusive test or something, Dervla. Yeah, and I just I remember, remember you standing outside the house in the distance and I kind of came over, but not too close. And um, it was kind of like, we had just heard that your test was clear and it was like actually you're fine because that one that that would have been the end of it you know and then who knows how those how those that shoot could have picked up again because it just wasn't going to be as easy as standing everybody for a week and Mm -hmm. then come back plus we were just before Christmas so you know you could say we had a lot against us um but we were we were also extremely lucky you know and I don't know maybe there was a dark force shining on us in some way or you know but you know we were lucky because a lot some other films that were happening at the time weren't as lucky um oh, you know yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those was, Dinian, was shooting at the same time wasn't it, it was yeah. Dinian McCann and they got shut down loads I think Damien and I were chatting at the Belfast Film Festival and he said that he was praying that we were going to get shut down as well because <laughs> 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 they were getting shut down so much <laughs> <laughs> they were like it can't just be us <laughs> yeah I know it and it is isolated and it's hard when that happens I felt I really felt for them at the time because there's no there was no rhyme or reason really and we were all still working on that at that point you know that was Covid was you know, productions were only coming back from the end of August September and this was December and we had no money so you know when you say about bonds and stuff like we, were, we were in this little bubble but I just remember that day with Dervla and I think after that we just started talking lots more about lots of things because it was kind of like it's okay we've made it you know kind of and you're you're definitely in it um, I remember that so well I absolutely do yeah mm-hmm. and and I know that I, I burst out crying when you told me I was there I can remember that I can see that yard yeah <laughs> and it was so terrible having to isolate straight away and of course yeah just going this is just unthinkable mm-hmm. you know and anything else but yeah some little in- intervention there yeah mm-hmm. you know and the, the sense of responsibility or something you know <laughs> the sense of responsibility that if you're the one who has been uncareful or somehow has done something that you've yeah not, yeah not washed your hands or something like that yeah, yeah. such a wonderful we're... surreal times yeah and then we're you know and then we're into this extraordinary story of you know of healing actually you know well of of death and healing but I'm just thinking with you dared all of that very gruesome and brutal stuff to put mm. you back together again yeah. and I just love that I, I I love that these people are so damaged and Mary is damaged she's burnt all over her body and then there's this transformation mm. um and then you, you know uh 
yes, healing at great cost to somebody else. Mm. But, but in these incredible times, when you looked at the window of the hotel and all of the right in front of, you know, the big square and the whole shopping district completely empty. It was mm. a total uh, intense lockdown then. Mm. But, um, yeah, and we had a closed set as well. That was fun. Oh, That's yeah. my first closed set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really special, actually. It was, um, it was wow. Because we that change to the ending of the film came when we were, uh, we had just started shooting and um, myself, MT and Paul kind of had a discussion about the end of the film and how we felt it needed something. Um, and I really wanted to end on a, a really visual note that, you know, just embodied or encapsulated Mary in nature, Mary at her most powerful and most comfortable. Um, so that was what we ended up doing. And uh, it was wonderful. It was really, um, I don't know, it's, it felt kind of spiritual in a way, you know, watching that movement in the forest. Um, so I hope it has that effect on the audience. But I, I, I must mention that, um, you know, during COVID and everything that we needed to do, we wouldn't have got through it without MT becoming an expert on, on COVID and uh, all of her planning and all of, you know, I mean, it was unbelievable what she was able to do. And then of course, Paul as well. And, and we had a wonderful COVID um, supervisor with us who just really looked after everybody. Like, I think we all gave him a very big round of applause on the last day. Yeah. Uh, we, we made it, you know. And there was no extra money, do you know? Cause that was just, it wasn't like, we kind of, I think at one point we did, really did try. <laughs> We're like, but hold on, it's really unfair. We're trying to make this. And, you know, all the other scheme years haven't had to take all this testing money out. And and it wasn't even just testing money. It was that kind of isolation accommodation. You know, when you're a little budget filmmaker and you can't find inventive ways to put people up. But we actually did have to give um, Deborah and Deirdre an actual proper place to be. Um, and, you know, hotels with protocols and all, you know all that kind of thing like it's bonkers actually thinking about it all now feels very far away um probably far away empty yeah absolutely <laughs> but um, I mean thank you but no no expert it was it, it there was a lot of luck <laughs> you know what I mean like I mean it, you know you, you could we it was nice to try and be inventive and actually funny when you're talking about that last scene Darvla you know and I think a lot of that was because obviously because you know you were so creative in your chats with um Lynn and the fact that you know you guys could have that open platform to discuss doing that something like that and again it's kind of the kind of joy of low budget filmmaking where you don't get to necessarily do that in other formats or more commercial formats mm -hmm. you know it's like you can change and good crack yeah and can you guys tell me you've obviously touched touched on it um a bit there but just in terms of um the like obviously the location plays such a, a massive part to sort of setting the tone um and obviously the undertones of the mandrake itself but um can you tell me a little bit about making it um i don't know what's the word that i'm looking for but as you said earlier you wanted to get the sense that you would feel the cold mucky wet nature of where it was filming which i really did feel came across um you shot it over 15 days, did you say? Mm -hmm. um, what what was that like? And I suppose I'll ask the cast first, uh, Deirdre and Dervla, what was it like doing Sorry, that? 18, it? 18 days, sorry. Eight, eight, Three, okay, six-day weeks, yeah. Okay. Um, but 
what was it like uh, immersing an all immersive experience i would imagine might encapsulate it um I, it was for me um i've i i've done a sort of, sort of slightly similar film which is very sort of, sort of a a folk horror thriller which was also quite kind of uh, physical um um so yeah it had it, it's it's um it's it's very challenging and sort of uh, surprising ways you know the, the things the things that happen to you like you're just not quite sure like I remember one time I had like I was running with a chain around my neck and as I was running past the cameraman I um ended up uh the the chain ended up wrapping around around his, uh, Connor's uh leg and went absolutely flying so like the 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 sort of like slightly improvisatory sort of raw nature of like okay we're doing the shot here that's that's what we're gonna do it's sort of um <laughs> It kind of leads to, you know, just all sorts of like, I mean, I was absolutely fine, but like, um, you know, uh, probably magic moments where where things happen that you're not quite expecting and they look amazing on camera. Um, but, you know, out of the torture scenes where you're like, I have no idea how this is going to work. Let's try this. Or, you know, there was such a sense of like making it up as we were going. And I think maybe some of that magic of um, that slightly ad hoc nature translates over in the film itself, you know, um, a, a rawness that I think is really um, magic. I feel like Dervla, your your character, particularly at the beginning, Mary sort of hides in the shadows. Uh, I couldn't help but feel like if I was even the person holding the camera, I'd be kind of creeped out by some of the scenes through the broken glass uh, in the house and internally. Um, did that was that like what what was it like doing some of those 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 night scenes? I guess. Well, that house was. Uh, you hear this said, but truly, that house was a character in itself. Mm. And we, we were hoping to have the full use of the house, but then upstairs became unusable when somebody practically went through the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Just on a recce upstairs. Uh, so, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's incredible, isn't it? When when y- you feel so... When when you walk into a place and you feel this is the character's home, I mean that just seemed, again one of those kismety things. I thought these people are geniuses. I mean this location is, is, uh, I mean, you know oh you've all the sensory this the smell and the, the small windows and the gloominess of it and the moss, out in the out in the yard and stuff growing out of everywhere, um, and. Uh, you know, so the, quite funny as well that we do the, where I put a tube down Deirdre's throat and, and that was our erstwhile, our green room. So we had to kind of like really quickly improvise a bedroom in there. Um, so I, I think those things are just the joy. I, the, I've got such vivid memories. Um, but that, that sense that you were moving between life, your own life and the life of the film, you had no distance to go at all. You were kind of always ready to, to just be present in that other reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's wonderful when you find, it, like when there's a genius location like that, I think that becomes really possible without going the full method. You're, you're already immersed, you know, you don't have to work so hard at it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, and I feel like, again, that it's really successfully translated onto the screen because maybe it's one thing to feel it and to go oh well this is great and um but you know the, the artistry to actually to capture that and to, and then to uh, the muse and what, what you said as well dear the, the imaginative response to the available materials 
now. Um, so I don't know if that house was, will it still be there? Is it condemned? Were we the last humans in it? I can't imagine that it will ever be. They were trying to sell that house actually. Um, it was a family home. I think the mother had passed away not that long beforehand. So that's why we had the the lovely, you know, I mean, that is kind of sad, you know, someone actually lived in that house and it still kind of had those, oh, that old world look about it. So it was kind of perfectly what we'd been looking, like Lynn and I had been looking for for quite some time. We'd seen loads of houses and some that we both fell in love with in different ways, but too close to a road, couldn't fill in there, a sign man says no, you know, and, it, you know, there's all, you know, there's all sorts of reasons, but it, it was definitely I think they were trying, it needed a lot of money put into it, that house. <laughs> it is a beautiful house, you know, that way. But that is quite funny, yeah. And, and I remember, oh, that bedroom was lovely, Lynn, as well. Do you remember that moment? I mean, I, I, for you, I was like, no, do we really, you know, but we couldn't, I mean, what happened? What It was uh, this beautiful pl plaster wall that had several layers of different coloured peaches and turquoises, and it just looked magnificent for that scene. And then I think they saw Trini put his foot through a part of the floor at one point. So we thought, right, maybe we shouldn't. Um, and I mean, we'd, we'd had all the checks done. It was fine. But anyway, that was a blessing in disguise because it obviously wasn't really fine. So we ended up very quickly kicking the uh, girls out of the, the green room to redress it as a bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good crack. But I think that, you know, you had mentioned the word immersive and that, that's really what I want to do with my sets. I want to make them as immersive as possible to, you know, aid, aid my cast and, you know, falling into their roles and feeling it. And, um, you know, and that was the wonderful thing, you know, everybody, they were so prepared when they walked on set. And then that added bonus of there being things you can lift and you can move around and interact with, um, you know, I think that just added so many levels to what we were trying to do um and then you know getting to kind of have nice dim light coming in and uh you know it's boarded up windows with a bit of light and then utilizing as much practical lighting as we could you know with our lamp uh, with a beautiful warm flame which was a bit of a nightmare because it kept going out on us and uh you know or they would have to run in and light it again but um you know connor the cinematographer worked really well with all of the, the natural light that i wanted and roaring fires and silhouettes and uh you know just really gave us something beautiful you know at the beginning when we were discussing it we were talking about how if nothing else we wanted to make a beautiful film and we wanted the frames to stand alone as a still and uh, i certainly think we've achieved that yeah, I think the the can some of the scenes by candlelight felt like you know you're almost drawn in to the to the tightness of some of the shots or of what you could see. Um, and and I'm kind of intrigued to know, Dervan Deirdre, whether with your characters how I suppose you sort of mentioned before that they kind of had things that they wouldn't have realized in common, but the I feel like the they both sort of were outsiders in different senses, um, particularly like, you know, obviously with Cathy not being from around the area and not growing up with that inherited sort of story, you sort of, I suppose your character came towards Mary with a bit of an objective view rather than yeah. everyone assuming. Um, and then I, I guess you sort of learn over the course of the film that Derva, your character, Mary sort of, is ostracized there's no chance for for anyone changing their mind over it so it's quite a, i found it a very interesting juxtaposition or or like crossover of 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 that you know two very unique ways of looking at an outsider in a community i guess 
Absolutely. And 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 for Kathy, I think a mother who is outside of the traditional mothering sort of um uh what is expected of motherhood and, and how what a relationship might be like with her son, you know, there was in, in many ways, not only that she was literally not from the village, but also she um had a sort of strange relationship with her in a strange relationship with her son. Um and as a probation officer, you know, it was a very difficult position to be in um reintegrating people into a community if the community are hostile to that, you know. So you're in a really liminal difficult um place and and she's bringing a huge kind of the the viewer's rational mind to a situation that seems kind of un, 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 unnecessarily wild and and um, and and that character being drawn into that wildness and savagery and um maybe a more honest version of of her of her of her true self um um i think is is, is extraordinary to watch for for an audience um and fuels the the story and the pleasure of the film, I think. Yeah, and I think it poses questions as well about Kathy post-film and who what mm-hmm. Kathy are we left with? And that was the the question I want the audience to to go out of the cinema with. And you know, what did she do next? Do you think that she could have done it? And uh, you know, and I, I think that that's really wonderful and wild that Mary could potentially have created almost or encouraged another version of herself even more. And imparted her gift. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I love yeah. that we shot the very ending at the start as well, <laughs> so that you know you knew where you were going to end up. You know, in this really wild, savage place. Yeah, it's definitely part of Mary's motivation to um, to bring on a protege somehow. <laughs> An odd kind of generosity, you know. There's that there's that sense, isn't mm-hmm. it? You can have it if you want. Mm. you know the kind of like she sees her like mary sees her sees who she is yeah yeah and 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 mary has very strong opinions (laughs) about uh, right and wrong as you say a very uh clear other moral code um and and jess sees this woman in need of actually in need of some guidance or some options uh and this, there's that wonderful scene where it's like, why do you stay here? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I have to. The wasted sense of, of and, sisterhood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here's this woman who's been in prison for 25 years mm. giving advice to, you know, ostensibly a very modern woman who's, you know, who's got modern responsibilities and blah, 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 and cell phones and, you know, drives a nice car and all of that kind of thing. And uh, yeah. I love how with Mary, there's no real, it's like she's outside of time in a way. And she doesn't want really, she doesn't, it doesn't seem like she certainly doesn't want any of the comforts of home. Um, But it's like she doesn't want anything that separates her from from the natural, I suppose, is the thing. Uh, But um, yeah, I, I think the most compelling thing is this, I don't know, it's, is it a bond? But this um, understanding, this growing understanding, this recognition, mm. as you say, Lena, actually, it's a recognition of yeah. one for the other. And of course, Kathy completely resists it. And why wouldn't she? But I think once Mary sees something, it's going to happen in some way. You know, there's a kind of a... It's like Greek tragedy, prophetess kind of, you know, self-fulfilling kind of thing about it, yeah. Yeah. I'm down here in Canterbury doing a Greek tragedy. Oh, which one? <laughs> what do you think? I'm doing one that, that was lost 
and it's been just written as if it was like as if it was found. It's the second part of the Danae. It's, it's called the Egypt, Egyptians. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so there, there you go. <laughs> we always meet at this crossroads, right? Mm-hmm. Greek tragedy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then can I just ask you about uh, being picked up by Blue Finch Films? Um, who I know represented on uh, the world sales for the film, um, which was then picked up by Shudder, which I think is always a great um, representation of um, any horror film or folk horror, I suppose. Well, um, Paul had been working, um, you know, to sell the film and get people on board. And uh, we we had heard about Bluefinch. We had heard about what Mike was doing and kind of uh, forming his own company. And uh, uh, it felt like they were they were the most enthusiastic about our film. They really saw the potential of where it could go and what it could do. And uh, when we find a home in Shudder, it was just absolutely wonderful because Shudder encourage you to go to festivals. Like, you know, there's no festival cut off for you. You could still go. So, um, you know, we went, we went all around the world with, with Mandrake and I, I got to go to a few of them, which of course is always great fun. Um, and, uh, you know, to be supported by them and on their platform. And even recently I was, um, my mom called me to tell me that she saw that on Amazon, Mandrake is one of the most popular Shutter movies, you know, so like we're still kind of making an impact there, which is really exciting. Um, and I know the Shutter team just really loved the film and uh, really got on board with everything that we wanted to do. And, you know, and I'm still talking with some of the Shutter team, some of them produce films. So hopefully we'll work on something else together. But um, yeah, Shutter is the perfect platform for us and we're we're really thrilled to be there. Um, and what sort of feedback have you gotten at some of the festivals that you've attended? I'd love to know the what people have said to you. Um, I One person said to me that they were now obsessed with the film, that that was now their new favourite film and they wanted to they wanted to watch it every day, which of course is always that's like what you want to hear. And uh, uh, others were really interested um, in the, the witchcraft and our research. Um, one person I met said, I think I met her in Finland, she said that she is a Wicca and she felt like this was one of the more true to form representations of Wicca on screen. Um, you know, obviously there was things that we didn't get entirely right, but um, you know, she said that it, it really, she felt represented. Um, people really seem to love the dread of the film and the dread of what we built and uh, really got on board with the characters. And I posed a lot of questions for people when they left the screen. Um, but I think, one thing that I found very interesting was kind of parallels with other filmmakers. There were certain films and filmmakers and we all just seemed to be on the same track. We kept kind of running into each other at festivals. And uh, there was a few in particular and there were similar themes in our films and similar like visual references. And uh, it was a wonderful conversation as to why did we both reach that same place with what we were working on and uh, the, the cultural similarities between say Ireland and um, uh, where was it now, uh, Estonia, and what uh, w- what we kind of share, and uh, culturally that's just really fascinating and interesting and, you know, and, and inspiring. 
So I think getting to not only talk to so many people that responded to the film firsthand and would come and shake your hand and say, well done, um, but also getting to watch all of these amazing films as well. You just come out of it so inspired to, to do the next thing. And has anyone else had an opportunity to watch with a live audience at any festivals or? Uh, well, I didn't go to the festivals, but we did. Um, it was at the Belfast Festival at home. Um, they were really, really supportive of us. Um, and so that was kind of the first, I think, was that the first time? Was yeah, yeah. Screen? So that was just, I mean, like you want your film to travel, you know, that's that was key and that, and it did. But it's also really lovely for people at home and especially your harshest critics. Um, you know, we've lots of friends, obviously, from everything that we all do, you know, in the industry and in the festival and stuff. And, you know, for people to genuinely seem to really like it you know folk horror fans who seem to really like it when you're sort of thinking oh this is going to be a harsh judgment you know and you know genuine a praise for that you know and it, that that was nice you know so that was kind of as far as I traveled but um it's funny you know, every the day after we screened, I went to see another film at the festival. I can't recall what it was now, but um, I was sitting behind a quite a well-known producer from Belfast and they didn't know I was there and they were talking about Mandrake uh, to someone else and they were singing our praises. And uh, so I just sat there very quietly and kind of took it all on. Brilliant. Well, Best praise. <laughs> we could have been slagging us off. So that was I know, great. Exactly. Because I, I heard <laughs> I, I heard it being mentioned and I there were certain certain you know descriptions. I was like, no, I left it at all. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, they were very complimentary and uh yeah, so that was that was really great. Felt vindicated and everything. I mean it's hard to do. It is hard to do a film, you know, in 18 days. So, you know, hats off to Lynn for the first time because it can go very wrong. Um, it's, it's you know it's not an easy thing to do even with lots of money at times you know so I think there was that magic recipe in a way for Mandrake in that you know Matt had written this great script and was so open to us Lynn wasn't he for you know for input and changes like you know there was such an openness with the conversations with him on script mm -hmm. um, wonderful brainstorming sessions about things and different ways to achieve um, what we wanted tonally and visually so it was really great well well done again because um it was really really enjoyable film I think that all came across on screen um so thank you so much guys for speaking with me today and uh thank I hope you. to see you all again soon in the future great thanks for having thanks, us Nathan yeah. no worries at all. lovely to see oh. you as well yeah. It's so great to see everybody. It's so I can't when, believe we're years ago. disappear now. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Because it's all, it's like we've lit a fire. <laughs> and uh, I just kind of want well, to you know, wanna sit left, around the fire with all of you. Yeah, We left it open, Lynn, you know, that last scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt and I were talking about a prequel at one point. Excellent. Yeah. There you go. We'll see y'all here next year. So, all right. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks guys. Bye-bye. Okay.